Inside, Kempe dishes in front. Another sliding cat saved by Flurry. This time to his right. Because one hour isn't enough. We welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here is a left wing opportunity. Lizada sliding cat save. Robin Leonard. What a stop. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Data pause, data flush all those negative feelings, get them all out of your system, and we'll come back tomorrow, Game 7. First one on the Las Vegas Strip, a chance to clinch a series on home ice. Uh, that's everything that's uh, on the line tomorrow for the Vegas Golden Knights against the Minnesota Wild as this first round West Division Series goes the distance. The winner tomorrow night at T-Mobile, by the way, 6 o'clock start tomorrow uh, at the Fortress, We'll move on to Denver and face the Colorado Avalanche on Sunday in Game 1 of the West Division Final, otherwise known as the second round. Everything's uh, kind of confusing. We're going to use terminology this year in the Stanley <laughs> Cup playoffs that we don't normally uh, use. Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace. Uh, where, where are you in reaction to some of the callers today as we, we open up the phone lines just to mm-hmm. get it off their chests? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, frustration is certainly... Uh, understandable in the situation where the Golden Knights had a three to one series lead and it's, it's been pushed to a game seven. Like I understand that frustration as a fan. Um, But I I also think that there was an underlying sense of optimism from a lot of our callers. and, And I think an underlying desire to see what tomorrow brings in terms of the event, in terms of a game seven, in terms of what that means. And, you know, for this organization, that, that's had great success from jump, that has is, is hit the ground running and really hasn't looked back, there are, are many opportunities and many chances to kind of create your own legends. And in a Game 7 on home ice in the first round against an opponent that in the regular season has had your number and has played you tough to this point, it's a, an opportunity for someone on the Golden Knights to change whatever narrative you believe about them from this season in in one game. And I think that that's so awesome for those players to go out there and recognize one big save, one big play, one big goal could absolutely change what the narrative is about you the rest of the way. Give me a dark horse hero for tomorrow night. Give me an uh, sort of off-the-radar hero for Game 7 for the Vegas Golden Knights. So off the radar would be Matthias Janmark. And, and I like, you know, you look at his numbers in the series and, and he's, he's finding assists, right? Like he's able to kind of produce in that way, but he just hasn't been able to finish since coming over and being a, and becoming a Vegas Golden Knight. So if you've got uh, a player that has the ability to, to be direct, get in and around the net and might be able to chip in a dirty goal here or there, Matthias Janmark certainly fits the bill for me. And if we're going off the radar, that's going to be my pick all day long um, with a, a close second being either Zach Whitecloud. You or can't go Nick like Cade. seven guys. No, 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 I'm not. I'm like, I'm giving you a forward. I'm giving you a defenseman. I'll go Zach Whitecloud instead of Nick Hague. Is that, mm. is that better for you? That's better. Yeah. Okay. So, Yanmark, Whitecloud, you're welcome. I will offer up Keegan Colasar. Okay. That. If, if I could pick one player to be the hero for Game 7 right now, <laughs> I would bypass Mark Stone, Jonathan Marcheseau. 
I would go past Alex Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, uh, Mark Andre Fleury. I could not, would never be happier than if Keegan Colasar ended up being the the offensive hero for the Vegas Golden Knights. The first time that they clinch a series on home ice by playing a game seven for the first time on home ice. I think that would be a pretty cool moment. I think it'd be awesome. Like that would be great for, for Keegan. And again, I think he's had a really good series for the Golden Knights. He's, he's been energetic. He's certainly hit. He's laid the body. He's been in and around everything. And what we've seen from him this year is that the puck has a tendency of following him in the offensive zone. I, I like where your head's at. I really do. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with Yanmark though. I, I, I like Yanmark in that spot. Uh, we have a couple of minutes here waiting for E.G. Raddick uh, to give us a call from the NHL Network. Uh, one, the Ryan Reeves uh, absence last night. Uh, we were expecting an update today. Uh, we didn't get that update today. Uh, not sure what the uh, issue is. It, Pete DeBoer said it was not a healthy scratch scenario last night. Uh, that has an impact uh, physically uh, on the game. But you also think you might be able to get uh, some uh, some offense out of a Cody Glass. So uh, that's a storyline worth watching. And another one is that uh, the goal interference, uh, no goal. Uh, the goal that was wiped off uh, the board. Uh, are you okay with the call? We had a couple of callers uh, talk about it. Yeah, I mean, listen. It, or do you understand the a, call? That We're I, not okay with it. We, nobody wants the goal taken <laughs> off the board. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind of the same situation in terms of, of you know, the, the three goals that have been taken off the board over the last four or five games in the NHL playoffs. If Obviously, you've got the Eriksson Ek goal with Marcus Foligno in contact with Marc-Andre Fleury in the blue paint. Uh, and then you've got the, the goal that was scored uh, by Carolina in that series that was taken off the board. And, and now this one. Listen, um, the fact of the matter is Alex Tuck was in the blue paint. Yeah. And even though the contact wasn't much, even though uh, they're, they're, you know, Tuck, I think, was making a, a play to try to get out of that situation. It's a veteran move by Matt Dumba to kind of like just sit in and, and not allow Tuck out. Um, by the way it's been called so far in this playoff, that was the right call. And, you know, it is what it is. You can make a determination. You can say that, well, Alex Tuck tried. He really did. The fact of the matter, he didn't get out of the blue paint, and that's why the goal the goal comes back. Let's bring in EJ Raddick from the NHL Network to join us on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. And EJ, can you believe these Minnesota Wild uh, players are trying to mess with the much-anticipated Colorado Avalanche uh, Vegas Golden Knights second round? <laughs> Darren, they got some nerve. I know. I mean, they really do. <laughs> they really do. I mean... Try to deprive everybody of what we expected to happen for the last five, six months. Not right. I I wish that somebody would get. You're a powerful person. Can you just pass along that message to <laughs> Dean Evison and company? Yeah, I'll call. You know what? I'm going to call Billy Guerin right now. Okay. Because uh, you know, they, again, I just think this is just irresponsible of the Minnesota Wild. But uh, kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. This series. Uh, this has been. Darren, you've been around this a long time. This is one of the stranger series that I've ever seen because there's been these wild swings yeah. of uh, domination, at least territorially, in the games, but yet it doesn't always translate to win. It's it's strange because Marc-Andre Fleury was so dominant uh, early on in the series and Vegas was winning games. 
and yet yeah. he was being peppered. So it, it, at one point, the, the the home team was one and four. Uh, at one point, the the first goal uh, was going through a stretch where it was one and four uh, after game number one. So it was belying all the the analytics too. So, and uh, you've got two big teams, and they're not generating a lot of power plays and uh, playing a lot of five on five. So it's it, it's it's been a hard one to really get get a, a real handle on. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely feel that way. I mean, we if we go through and talk about the eight series, you know, you can get a feel for how things are going in certain series, there's certain trends, there's certain things that are happening. This series, as soon as you think you have something figured out, it flips back the other way again. And, uh, you know, for Vegas in, I guess it was game five, to outshoot the Wild so dramatically and still end up on the short end of the stick. Now, I know they, got, they gave up three goals in the first period, but... I think Minnesota had one shot in the second period and didn't have many more than that in the third. And Vegas just seemed to have all kinds of opportunities but couldn't get that tying goal past Talbot. So I'll be curious to see what happens tomorrow night because I would think, you know, there is a certain amount of pressure on Vegas as the the favorite. And I would say they were probably a prohibitive favorite, putting aside the fact that Minnesota has had some success against Vegas in the short history of the two teams playing. But, um, they're a favorite. They're at home. They're expected to win. They're expected to close this out. And, you know, with that comes a certain amount of pressure. If they can get off to a good start in the game, get the lead, I think a little of that goes away. The crowd gets going, and, and maybe you just take off from there. But if it gets into a situation like we had last night where we're scoreless after two, boy, it's going to, uh, you know, I just think we get into a little bit of a high-pressure area there, for particularly for the home team. Yeah, you you go from having fans in the building and excited to fans in the building being uh, a little bit silent and tense. E.J. Uh, Raddox yeah. with us on the uh, VGK Radio Network, Fox Sports Las Vegas, Darren Millard, and Ryan Wallace. So, like, E.J., when you when you kind of look at this this division, and obviously the Colorado Avalanche, they sweep the St. Louis Blues. Like, when when you look at the potential winner of Vegas, Minnesota, and you kind of put them up against the Colorado Avalanche. Like, what have you learned about Colorado for through those first four games against St. Louis? And, and what do you think from a potential matchup either against Minnesota or Vegas? Um, which team has that better shot against the Colorado Avalanche? Well, I, I think Vegas has the better shot just because I think, generally speaking, they're the better team and they're, they're missing a couple of players right now. If they can get Pacioretty back, that would certainly help them. Uh, I'm not sure of the situation with McNabb, where that's going to be. So there's a couple of pieces that are, are out. But um, Colorado is, I mean, they're buzzing, and they're a handful. You guys know. You see them play more than I do, probably, because they're, they're in that division. But they are a dynamic group. Um, they, they just go, go, go. That first line, that first line may be one of the best lines ever to play in the National Hockey League when you think about the combination of size and skill and speed. I mean, they are... Big and strong and dynamic. I mean, I Ranton came down the wall in one in one in one of the games against St. Louis, and Scandella tried to to get physical and 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 kind of pin him, and he just shrugged him off. And Scandella kind of went for a loop, and uh, you know Colorado goes in and they eventually score. They get going in the offensive zone, and they are just hard to deal with. McKinnon hides high in the zone, which is something a little unusual, and uh, gets lost high in the zone, and then all of a sudden he appears. He can score from distance, then he can attack and, and push on your heels. Uh, the defense, they got guys throughout their group that can really skate and go, but even beside 
Kale McCarr, Devin Hayes is a guy that can move. Gerard is a guy that can move. Uh, you know, Ryan Graves doesn't, nobody pays attention to him, but he's pretty solid, uh, left shot defenseman with some good size. Uh, the thing that I would say about the Avalanche, though, is that because of the kind of, uh, you know, the foolish play of Nazem Kadri, um, it puts them in a little bit of a hole moving forward for several games now because you're losing your, your second center, and Kadri is a good player when he's not doing stupid things. And so now there's the advantage because you can really, I guess, to the best of your abilities, hone in on trying to keep that top line at bay without the maybe as much concern about getting beat by secondary scoring. So I think they're going to be a handful for whoever they play, but I think Vegas is probably better equipped to play them because they're just a better, in my view, a better defensive team. And, you know, in the end, they do have two goalies they could use that uh, if they had to, that can be a factor in a series like that. EJ Raddick chatting with us from the NHL Network. Uh, nice enough to uh, take time out of his busy schedule during this first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Kadri, by the way, has one of the great suspensions uh, of all time. Uh, suspended for the rest of a series uh, a couple of years yeah. ago. It wasn't even a, a yeah. number of games. It was just the rest of the series, uh, which uh, which goes down in, in Lord. He, he, he appealed. Uh, and did it via Zoom. Uh, do you have a gut feeling uh, as we try to read the tea leaves here on whether the the six remaining games would be adjusted? I, I you know, I really don't. I, 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 I have a hard time thinking that there would be, Darren, because, like, this is a guy, you know, talking to, 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 to the league and the player safety, I mean, they refer to this as being a serial offender. Yeah. And so that's something I don't think anyone ever wants to be referred to in anything in life. And, uh, he was suspended in consecutive playoff years with the Leafs, and they were escalating penalties, three games, and then, as you say, the remainder of a series, which ended up being five games. And so now he does it again, and it was a pretty pronounced play where an opponent was, was injured and was unable to continue in the series. Three to five to eight makes perfect sense as a escalating punishment for similar behavior. So... I guess for Colorado and for Kadri, it's worth the shot to maybe get a game shaved off there, but I have a hard time thinking with the amount of evidence involved that, that anybody would do that. Well, it just reminded me so much of Matt Cook, Mark Savard, and, and then you go yeah. back in time, you go, that's 2011. We can't, we, that, that changed the whole game, and that happened. I, and the timing of it, uh, I'm with you. It was, uh, it was just a, a brain cramp. Dumb play. It was a dumb, dumb play by a player who's absolutely a thousand percent no better, who's in a great situation on a team that is really talented and may be able to win the Stanley Cup this year. And it's just I don't know what I, I don't know what other terms to put it into. It was just a foolish, foolish play. EJ Raddick chatting with us for a couple of minutes on the VGK radio network on Fox Sports Las Vegas. You know, EJ, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Obviously, Connor McDavid, one of the best offensive seasons we have seen in a long, long time, 105 points in 56 games, yet his team, the Edmonton Oilers, gets swept in the first round by the Winnipeg Jets. What comes next for the Edmonton Oilers? I missed the last part of that. The, just the question of what comes next. What happens in the offseason for the Edmonton Oilers? Well, I mean, Kenny Holland finally has some cap room now. He's got uh, roughly he'll have about $25 million to spend, so he'll have an opportunity to, to make some adjustments with that group. Um, 
you know, when I look at their team right now, quite frankly, I mean, they've got, uh, they don't have enough NHL-level depth throughout their team. It's better than it was two years ago, but still, it's not uh, where it needs to be to, to get over the hump, so to speak, even with players as good as McDavid and Dreisaitl. And they also have Darnell Nurse, who was terrific this year. And they've got some other players who are pretty good players. And, you know, Mike Smith, despite, you know, his age, and just had a really terrific year for them in the regular season. And I thought in the first game, he gave them every chance in the world to win. He gave them three goals in two games, and they lost both games. They didn't score. Um, I think, though, that they've got to use that money to kind of fill out the roster with with guys who can help them situationally in games, guys that can uh, lock help lock down games late, as we saw that was a problem against the Jets. Um, I think Winnipeg had that losing streak at the end of the year, and uh, Shifley was benched, and there was a little unrest there, and some guys were out of the lineup. I think in the end, those hard conversations that those guys all had to have with one another, I think, helped them prepare for this because Edmonton, quite frankly, embarrassed them during the regular season, and they were committed to playing a full 200-foot game for as long of the game as they could. And, uh, you know, and then Connor Hellebuck put up a 950 save percentage, which is will go a long way in helping you win any game. So, you know, for the Edmonton Oilers, I just think they need to continue to, you know, have some of their younger players, like a kid like Bouchard or Roberg. Those guys have to find their way into the lineup and start to get better. Uh, you know, Yamamoto is another kid. You know, he's trying, making some improvement, needs to take another step. Um, and then they've got to use that money wisely. They have to decide if they're going to sign Ryan Nugent Hopkins or not and Adam Larson. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of work, I think, to do there. And they have to find a way to to upgrade the goaltending situation. So there's a lot of things to be done there. But, uh, you know, I look at that team and they get in situations in the game. I mean, they lost the, the game in over. They lost three straight in overtime. But the one where they had the huge comeback, I mean, they've got Jujar Kara taking a face-off. He's a left shot. It was in the right wing circle for the defender. It would have been better to have a right shot guy in that circle to take that draw, but maybe they don't have one in Edmonton because they don't have those kind of players. So I think they've got to find those type of important role players at the NHL level that can help help complement the high-end talent that they have there. Uh, we uh, remiss if we didn't get your opinion on Gretz. Uh, signing on with Turner and and yeah. TNT. Uh, I, I'm I can't wait to be able to tune in every week and hear from the the greatest player to ever play the game. Uh, and and there's obviously going to be some some working and and making him a, a little more dynamic uh, if if you want to use that word. But uh, I'm excited about this. Yeah, I mean I am too. I mean it's. I mean, can you imagine if you know Babe Ruth had been doing you know studio commentary yeah. during. You know, the post, his post-wing days. I mean, like, like Wayne Gretzky is the Babe Ruth, really, of, of the sport. He's got, uh, you know, he's the greatest player ever. The records are, are, are that, he, that he has, and probably will ne- many of which will never be broken. Um, and to have him there, you know, every week kind of weighing in. I mean, you know, listen, I would have the, you know, Darren, you've been around Wayne, I'm sure. I had the good fortune of doing the... Uh, the Gretzky fantasy camp for the NHL network for several consecutive years. And I would sit down and we'd interview him and we'd talk to him and like, he loves the game. He's got a real deep knowledge about the players, both present and past. 
Um, I'm sure they're going to put some good people around them there. And uh, it'll be fascinating to watch. And, you know, uh, I just think it's one of those things, no matter if you think Wayne is going to say uh, and be controversial, which I kind of doubt he will be, it'll be fascinating to, to hear from him and to have somebody who was that much of an icon of this game giving his thoughts on the game on a weekly basis. So I, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch, and I think it's kind of, you know, for hockey fans in the States, that's a name they know. And uh, I think they will gravitate to that and want to and want to hear what he has to say. I just can't wait for him to say something that uh, that uh, walks that line. And, like, media people <laughs> that we, we do will go to Coach A and go, hey, Wayne Gretzky said your team uh, is, isn't prepared. <laughs> like, what's that coach going to say? Like, um, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's that's fine. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll yeah. consider that. Good point. Good point yeah. by <laughs> <laughs> Tell Wayne to call me. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh. e- EJ, you're awesome. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, oh, hold on. Uh, Chris Chapman wants to uh, ask you a question. I have no idea what All he's right. going to ask you. All right, EJ. I grew up on the Jersey Shore. I am very proud of the fact that I grew up on the Jersey Shore. I know All you're right. involved with the Jersey Shore Whalers youth hockey on the Jersey yeah. Shore. There's so much talent in the NHL now that's come out of that area. Of course, the Van Riemsdyk brothers, Connor Clifton, Anthony Stolarz. I think he's the only public school goalie to make the NHL from New Jersey. What is kind of what has kind of changed the last decade or so on the Jersey Shore for all these young players all of a sudden to start emerging and becoming players in the NHL? Yeah, I just think. Uh... You know, the game has got, has grown and gotten bigger, and, uh, you know, we have some really good programs throughout the uh, throughout the state and, you know, some good youth programs where kids get into it and some, you know, kids who are talented athletes are being drawn, are drawn to our game now, and so that's the biggest thing is, I mean, when you get, you know, young kids who are talented athletes to put on the skates and have a love for, for hockey, all of a sudden now you're ahead of the game because these kids might have been able to be, you know, basketball players or football players or something else, but they kind of fell in love with hockey, and now they're following that passion. And as I say, there's a, there's a several programs, and the kids kind of, you know, move through those programs, and then they kind of get to move up the ranks. I mean, uh, as I mentioned, Ross Colton for the for the Tampa Bay Lightning, he's another guy. Uh, I think it's Eric Robinson in, uh, in, in Columbus. So there has been more. We have seen more players coming out of New Jersey and in South New Jersey as well, and along the shoreline that have been uh, that have really become good players. So I think it's just a matter of the again, the better athletes are more attracted to it now. We've got some good programs where the kids are getting involved, and they're kind of taking off from there. And uh, it's been great to see. I think that Robinson kid is a stud uh, too. Uh, absolutely, he's. he's- he can skate. He can, oh boy, can he ever. You know, when Canada went through its goaltending uh, issues maybe uh, eight, nine years ago, uh, one of the things that uh, the panel that uh, that I was emceeing, where they said, we have to get the best athletes to become yep. goaltenders, not uh, not steer them away from being goaltenders. So your that point about uh, the athletes playing our sport is is a great one because they're all they're all talented athletes, but if we get them in our sport, uh, they I can excel. At, Aaron, look at look at Austin Matthews in in Arizona, right? Like there's a guy like if he would have grown up and played and been a tight end in the NFL, would you be that surprised? No, I mean he's a big strong guy and he's a great athlete. He could be a great athlete probably in anything, but he was drawn to hockey, and this is where Going back to Gretzky, the you know bringing hockey to California, being more of a factor. All of a sudden, programs and rinks springing up in different places. 
this is you get these good athletes to you know to start playing hockey. You can get some terrific, terrific players. I just think it's, it's just it's a great time for the game in that regard, especially in the states. I just I just think we're going to see some great, great players. We already have seen some, and I think we're going to see even more down the road. Hey, are you driving around the block? Uh, are you almost home yet, or or are you just stalling uh, because we've kept <laughs> you too long? I'm never I'm never almost home. I have a long <laughs> ride. <laughs> Uh, be safe, my friend. It's great uh, catching up with you. All right. You got it, guys. Good luck in Game 7. Thank you. Thank you. E.J. Raddick from the NHL Network, one of our favorites. Uh, love uh, connecting with E.J. Uh, and just uh, going through things. He's uh, he's dialed in on, on everything that there is uh, around the game. We can talk about any series. Yeah, he's absolutely fantastic. And, and you know, his... His point there about athletes, right? You, you get you get young kids, athletes, just through and through, and you get them interested in hockey. And what might come from that is just uh, a really interesting point. I, I love the fact that he brought that up, and that's a that's a really good question from Chris Chapman that, that went out of left field. I didn't expect a a really solid question there from you it was funny because he he looked like he was trying to bring in a plane like he was over at mccarran he was part of the <laughs> landing crew and he was waving his hands back and forth and up and down yeah. and uh, he was yeah. bringing he was bringing in that uh uh jet uh, over to d34 uh, was ex- yep. uh, but but he got it in. So well, my 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 hope is that one day we'll be able to say the same thing about Las Vegas, right? When I was a kid, we had Jim Dowd. He was the only Jersey Shore guy to ever play in the NHL, and he had a pretty historic goal for the Devils. But we only have Gage Quinney right now, right? Jason Zucker, of course, calls Las Vegas home, but I think he's born in California. I, I think want, having I think having Gage Quinney is is really ahead cool. Of, well, put you ahead of schedule. Yeah, I I, I think I would, it's great I would because argue that too. he he was here obviously before the team, so it, it's phenomenal to think that what the future may hold yeah. for Vegas and, you, and the seeds that this team may have planted. Brian, you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. You're four years in. You've already had uh, a, a Vegas-born player play in in year number three. Uh, it's huge. Uh, so Ryan Reeves has been added to the COVID list, uh, and uh, Peyton Krebs added to the COVID list. So that's the the latest on the front uh, where Pete DeBoer said last night we might have an update in this morning. Uh, he didn't. So that's the uh, the latest on Ryan Reeves. If like McNabb, we, I understand why we we ask about the status of McNabb after he was placed on the COVID list yesterday because we kind of get used to false positives. At least I did. Yeah. When somebody's placed on the COVID list, you're like, oh, how long's how long is that player going to be there? False positive. Is is it going to be one of those? And uh, Mark Andre Fleury went through it, and uh, we know a couple of others, but it doesn't sound like those are false positives. It's it's not an uh, absolute uh, declaration that they're positive either. Uh, it can be close contact. It can be. Uh, contact tracing, uh, but uh, there's there's a couple of regulars in in Ryan Reeves and Braden McNabb who have been placed on the COVID list, and if that remains the case, uh, they won't be eligible for that historic Game Seven tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, obviously we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that over the course of of tonight and into tomorrow, and you know, again, as as you mentioned, if if and Pete kind of talked about it today, if if they're on the list tomorrow. They're unavailable. And, and for the Golden Knights, it's going to be the next man up, right? It's going to be uh, that next player that's going to come into the lineup that's going to have to perform and is going to get an opportunity to do so on a, a 
massive, massive stage in a game seven to close out round number one. Let's go, Keegan. That's my call. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get into one-timers and uh, a little bit uh, more on the Vegas Golden Knights, our roster update for you as we continue. Uh, as the Henderson Silver Knights also have a big game uh, coming up in uh, just a little bit. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Brought to the near wing. Big shot. He scores. It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider Show. Up and running. Let's bring you up to date in other action in the Stanley Cup playoffs on this afternoon slash night. The Montreal Canadiens trying to pull off an upset against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, right now they're trying to avoid elimination and then they'll worry about pulling off the upset later on in the series. But the Montreal Canadiens currently lead the Toronto Maple Leafs 3-1 in this game. Yep. Yep. Uh, this uh, this game's being played in Toronto. Mm-hmm. If they can force a sixth game in Montreal, you know what happens? Fans, baby. You betcha. The Blue Blanc Rouge will have supporters in the stadium. Just made that up. But they will have some fans, like 2,600. But we know... We know how impactful that was at the at the start uh, of the doors opening up at T-Mobile Arena. So it's 3-1 mm-hmm. late in the second period for the Montreal Canadiens with Carey Price trying to stay alive. Uh, they trail uh, three games to one in the series going into uh, this one. Any, ch- any chance like Montreal can pull off the rally? Like Chapman's I mean- already already like jumped ship on the VGK bandwagon. Because of the, the, just going to seven games, but let's look at it just independently from a Toronto Montreal standpoint. Darren, it's Toronto. Of course they can. Good point. That would be vintage. Uh, Carolina and Nashville uh, play later on tonight, and it's the Canes who can wrap up that series, leading three games to two. So Nashville yep. will be trying to force a seventh and deciding game. So. This series has actually been really fun. Like, I, I've enjoyed watching it. I, I think uh, I just I love the way the Carolina Hurricanes play. UC Soros has been fantastic. Um, Alex Nedeljkovic has been very, very good for Carolina, too. Jordan Stahl's kind of had those kind of big superstar captain moments. Um, Marty Natchez, just phenomenal in the last game for the Carolina Hurricanes. I think Carolina wraps it up tonight because they're the better team. But... I wouldn't be shocked, and, and I, I'm actually kind of shocked that I'm saying this based on how I felt about the Nashville Predators uh, throughout the majority of the season. I wouldn't be shocked if UC Soros can steal one more and force a decisive Game 7. The Nashville Predators felt the same way about the Nashville Predators midway through the season. So you're, you're, you're on point uh, with that one. I, I think it goes 7. I do, I, again... Not much in that series would surprise me at this point, based on the way UC Soros has been playing. Um, I could see it going seven. I, I'd like to believe, I, I'd like to live in a world where it doesn't, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it does. I just want to loop back to the Toronto story. John Tavares was on the ice today, skating around, non-contact sweater. He was on the only on the ice with uh, one other player, Nick Foligno, uh, at the end of the skate. Pretty uh, incredible recovery from where he was after being hit at the start of this series uh, to now. Uh, so that's a that's a great 
great sign for John Tavares and and recovering from both the uh, the head and the knee injury. Yeah, it's it's interesting because when that video was was posted today on social media, there were a lot of takes that I, I think people thought he was going to play in the game tonight. Mm. No, he's not. Um, there's there's going to be a period of time where John Tavares is going to to get himself healthy and, and ready to go and ready to play an NHL game. But the ability for Tavares to be on the ice uh, a week after the incident, a week after the injury, is nothing short of remarkable. And you've got to just feel a, a great sense of optimism as well being uh, beyond just this week, beyond just the first seven days. Uh, but for a full recovery, uh, it's fantastic to see. And, and I'm really glad that I was able to wake up to that this morning for John Tavares. Uh, tell me what these teams have in common. Tampa mm. Bay Lightning. Okay. The Winnipeg Jets. And okay. the Boston Bruins. Great goaltending. Mm. Yeah, that's one. How about all three seeds? <laughs> and all advancing. Oh, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? Yeah, really, you had to go there? No, because it's what are, what are three seeds are not sweeping the, the, the first round. <laughs> They're not. So you, what you do is you call it out. Until, okay. You all call right. it out. You acknowledge oh, it and you call it this. out. The Minnesota Wild oh, are a three gonna... seed. They're not, they're not, three seeds are not running the table in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Sorry, you know what? You know what the chances against that happening are? 2,423 to 2. Now you just made that up. How do you know that? I don't. I'm just throwing it out there. You made <laughs> I totally it totally just made that up. But it's not, it's not going to happen. Just one uh, to... I still like mine better. They've got elite goaltending. So. Uh, they do. Uh, they do. Well, Boston, like Tuka Rask, just settled right, right back into being Tuka Rask. Uh, and and Connor Hellebuck uh, was was really good. Although Winnipeg, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine today about uh, some of the advanced numbers, and the the rate of progress that Winnipeg made from the regular season to how they played that four game series defensively and and not giving up chances was staggering. They were, it was almost like they were a different team. Uh, the in in the rate of of chances that they surrendered, I I feel like the Winnipeg Jets just kind of knew that in order to get past Connor McDavid, in order to make sure that that McDavid and Drysaitel didn't beat you, you, you had to be defensively responsible in that series. And you know you you have great a uh, great goaltender in Connor Hellebuck. You know that if there are breakdowns, he's good enough to to kind of make those saves but it had to be a strong defensive effort from Winnipeg it had to be the way that they played and quite frankly it's going to be the way they have to play the remainder of the playoff to continue to 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 win rounds and continue to go deeper Uh, which team that's lost in this opening round should feel good about themselves you have the likes of Florida you have the likes of the Mm -hmm. Washington Capitals the Pittsburgh Penguins the Edmonton Oilers yeah uh, St. Louis Blues. Okay. Uh, so the one that I would circle is is probably the Florida Panthers. Um, I, I do think they took a step this season. The the 
going through a series and battling hard against Tampa, I think was a, a nice step for them. Um, I guess you can make the argument the Penguins, just simply because the underlying numbers would tell you that the, the Penguins deserved better in that series against the Islanders. But at the same time, the Penguins deserved better in that series against the Islanders, and they were undone by uh, a couple of, of goaltending issues. So um, I'm going to stick with Florida because I think there's more to gain from that organization on the rise. Yet they've underachieved massively the last few years with that core. That's that's a fair point, but based on, on where they were last year and where they're at right now, and mm-hmm. and you can kind of see the progression. You put a, a healthy Aaron Ekblad in that series. I, I think that maybe it's a little bit different. It's not – I think we're talking about a seventh game. I, I think – Potentially, we're talking about a Florida Panther win there. So um, drawing the defending Stanley Cup champions in the first round is is a tough, tough break for the Florida Panthers and, and what they were trying to accomplish. But I think they showed well in that series. I, I do think the future is bright there. And I think they can kind of get themselves onto some, some positive um, trajectory out of this series, even though it was a loss. Uh, lots been made that the Golden Knights haven't had that normal production from the regular season from the back end. One goal from a defenseman so far in the series, and that from Alec Martinez. Tampa Bay Lightning moved on, eliminating the Florida Panthers. The Tampa Bay Lightning didn't get a goal from a defenseman in that series. And they've got some uh, a couple of good ones, and, and one really, really good one. So uh, you you yep. can get it. It's it's a bit of a in a small sample size. I think that offense from the D and missing out can be a little bit misleading. Yeah, I I think so too. Uh, you know, you're not going to get it every every playoff series. Like there there's there's another team on the ice that's trying to take away your most dangerous weapons, and sometimes the game plan works. And you know. We've talked about Game 7. We've talked about what, what's going to happen tomorrow for the Golden Knights in the Minnesota Wild. And you get a big game out of Shea Theodore or Alex Petrangelo. You get a couple of goals from your, your back end tomorrow. And all is is well should you get that win. Chapman, are you working the uh, Henderson Silver Knights game tonight? No. No, I'm over on uh, 1230 the game, uh, 630. And then face off just after 7 o'clock as the Henderson Silver Knights play game two of the Pacific Division final against the Bakersfield Condors. The Condors won last night in overtime. And uh, this is a game two that was originally scheduled for tomorrow night, but now the Golden Knights are going to play tomorrow night, so the American Hockey League series backs up a little bit. Uh, Game two tonight, a big one to try and force a, a third and deciding game. Uh, come the weekend on Sunday. Yeah, it's, you know, for, for the Henderson Silver Knights, it's it's all about kind of, again, bouncing back and, and answering and losing a game in overtime. It's always tough. But mm-hmm. I, I think that there's some magic left, not just for the Golden Knights, but the Silver Knights as well. Uh, I do too. Uh, what's your uh, prediction on the Cadre suspension? Does it get reduced, stay the same, or mm-hmm. will Gary Bettman add to it? Okay, um, I would love to see Gary Bettman come back and call it 10 games. I'd love to. <laughs> I would. He's never done that. I I know, but I also think that this is a ridiculous appeal. So if there was ever a time to set the precedent, now would be it. Uh, I'm told, a uh, little birdie whispering in my ear, that if Gary Bettman doesn't reduce it, that the NHLPA and Kadri will go to uh, the final stage. 
an independent arbitrator. What uh, what I what I heard? Uh, Gary's only ever reduced one suspension, and that was Rafi Torres from 25 games to 21. And see, uh, only time it's ever happened. Better so. get that independent arbitrator on the phone then. <laughs> Why? Because the, first of all, the guy doesn't deserve to have his suspension reduced. Multiple time offender. Well, we know that you won't be the independent arbitrator. No. Well, I yeah. <laughs> and I like Nazem Kadri, but enough is enough. <laughs> <laughs> independent uh, arbitrator. No, 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 no. Listen, Chapman. listen. I Gary Bettman, just just increase it. Come on, do, like like play that card. I, I mm-hmm. want to see it. I do. I really do. Uh, I can tell you this: our interest in the cadre suspension uh, will uh, increase dramatically with a positive result tomorrow night. Uh, that is guaranteed. Uh, those are your one timers for this Thursday. May the hmm on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Back at it a couple of minutes to go in hour number two of the BGK Insider Show. Let's turn it over to Chapman for 20 seconds. I think you're going to like where I go today. <laughs> I, I found out something this week. You know, sometimes you go down the rabbit hole and, and you just uncover things that you that just blow your mind you so, have a four-room condo in the rabbit hole oh i i own the rabbit hole so i found out two things this week about this about a celebrity that i never knew first of all william shatner i did not know was canadian i found out he, he was born in montreal i always just assumed that william shatner of course well known for his role on tj hooker and some sci-fi show that i don't remember but uh I'm kidding. I know he was on Star Trek, but I also found out that William Shatner's 90 years old. 90. I never would have guessed that William Shatner was 90 years old. It, it absolutely blew me away. He doesn't look a day over 88. <laughs> I, don't, I think I think yeah. he looks pretty good for his age. I mean, it seems like he's still doing roles and stuff too. So he's one of those guys who I think is just going to work and, and be on television and movies until the day that he dies because he's he's he's. Obviously, an iconic figure in in the world of of television and movies, but absolutely shocked that William Shatner is ninety years old. I I, I couldn't believe it. I said, "This is guy." Well, how old did you think he was? I figured he was probably in his late seventies. Hmm. I mean, that's a, that's probably about how old yeah. he looks. Like he he probably looks yeah. like he's in his late seventies, but ninety? There's no way. You know how time works, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Got it. <laughs> I am well aware of how time works, but yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing to me that William Shatner was 90 years old. Well, maybe all that time on the Enterprise, but yes. you don't age as much in space. <laughs> I think that's it. That could be it. Fair point. Only four cast members from the original Star Trek are, are still around, too. George Takei is one. I how, can't old's, remember. how old's he? He's got to be close to, to Shatner as well. I don't know. I didn't look that up, but... I, I, I could go down the Star Trek rabbit hole and see how old the four uh, remaining. I thought you started this whole thing saying you went down a rabbit hole. I went down the William Shatner rabbit hole, yeah. Oh. Uh, we are go on down the air the tomorrow. Carlos Estevez. Four hole. to five, the VGK Insider Show tomorrow. And then five to six is the uh, Vegas Golden Knights pregame show with Ryan Wallace. Face off tomorrow night. First game seven ever on the strip. Just after 6 o'clock with Dan Duva and Gary Laws. I can't wait for Game 7 
Talk to you tomorrow on Fox Sports Las Vegas.